With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy. So let's talk about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. Visit MeetMolinaCA.com. Let's talk today. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy. So let's talk about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. Visit MeetMolinaCA.com. Let's talk today. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so it's the middle of Double Game Week 36, the big one, the one we all look forward to, and halfway through, yeah, it's, it's been mixed fortunes to say the least, all of which makes me glad, to some extent, this is the anti-penultimate pod of the series, so the one before the one before last, um, as I just, I really want the season to come to its end fairly soon, but obviously not my time podding with Harry, who I'm joined by. Free to go, Harry, free to go. You're right. Yeah, good, thank you. Feels like a week that we've all planned for, and it feels like it started as as well as we would ever expect a big double game week to start with blanks all around our teams. <laughs> but we will, we will talk about it, and I'm sure we'll talk about going into game week 37 of who are going to be the players that we're all going to pick. They're going to give us blanks all around in just a minute. Thank you all for joining again. We are who got the assist. You can find Tom at WGTA underscore FPL. You can find myself at under, FPL underscore Harry. Almost got my own at wrong there. Uh, read it enough times now I should finally know it even after a, a recent change today we're going to have a look at a tactical approach to game week 37 we'll have a look at the doubles the the single game weeks as well how how we should maybe balance our squads between the two the usual bits of a mid game week update so we're recording on Monday evening before any matches for the second half of the double game week take place we'll do the mini league update the market forces and then potentially a little bit look at potential pricing into next season while we go through as well Cool. Yeah, as mentioned, we're just going to push through and as as the last few pods have been, just have those sort of discrete sessions, just get the hour uh, pushed all the way through. As Harry mentioned, it's Monday night, uh, so we're pretty much at the, it's not obviously not the exact halfway point of the double game week, but it's the halfway point for our, our teams in terms of how that's all shaken out. It's a good place to start as well, which is the game week updates. So I think one thing to note is that the most nervous time I find of any when the game has locked and it's about to update is when you've hit bench boost. Like I've checked the FPL website on my computer. I checked on my phone. I checked on my tablet, checked on app as well. Let's make sure it had gone through. I mean, there's some, something about it where you're kind of just half expecting that it's all going to go wrong. And especially as well, because I put like Kane, Trent, Robertson on my bench, it would have been a bit, horrible for it to have been a bit of a heisenberg wouldn't it <laughs> so, yeah, pull, a, pull a heisenberg yeah that would have been awful um but yeah and um, like, lucky it did go through um so i had two decisions this week that i was deciding between and i actually posted that i was going to commit to the first one which was to just do wood to richarlison well i'd already done that 
by the time we were podding last week with, with Finesh, actually. So I couldn't, I could just say, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'd, I'd already done that. And I was thinking, oh, you know, I'm just going to captain Cancelo, not do another move here. And um, basically just, you know, just go with it. No, no hit taken, no bench boost and just roll with this week. So I don't think it's very good. The other thing I could have done, which is what I did do, take the minus eight and just get the bench boost done. And that involved removing some deadwoods. So Breuer, Ramsey, who sadly was injured at the last minute. He, I brought him in last week thinking, oh yeah, he's a great bench boost asset for this week. So he's got Norwich and he's got double and he's got another double. So perfectly we've done. Um, I have to take him out for Gordon. Um, so that's on top of the wood to Richardson move. So a minus eight I would have taken, which I did do in the end. Um, I got rid of Ramsey for Gordon. He's blanked uh, time being. Uh, luckily, Richardson has got some points in terms of an assist. And I removed Breuer for Jao Pedro. The reason I did that was because it means that I can afford, if I so wish, um, Bukayo Saka to Wilfred Zaha this week, if I so wish to do so. Um, uh, that was the reason why I did that. Um, unfortunately, it turned out just as Watford's lineup was announced that Jao Pedro is out with a groin strain and may indeed miss the second game as well. So I could have just given away four points for absolutely nothing, which is an absolute pain in the ass. So I'm, I'm sat with 54 points, uh, minus eight, halfway through this game week. I'd say my actual bench has got seven points like obviously I've, I've shithoused it I'm well aware of that but my actual bench of Foster, Davis, Gordon and Jar Pedro have got seven points between them it's looking a little bit like it might be a bit of a crap one but we'll see we'll see in terms of returnees the returnees have been Richarlison, Martinelli with assists, Cancelo with his assist oh could have captured him and got that and Laporte um, with a goal too which is quite nice had Laporte for ages, had that double up for ages. It was nice to see both of them get attack in return. So yeah, 54 points, minus eight, which takes me to 46 net. A small, modest green arrow at this halfway point, hoping for better from the second round of 15 games. What about you, Harry? How have you been getting on? Oh, it's it's not going it's not going well. And it actually happened to me when I spent so long like focusing on particular game weeks in the season. I did it for game week 27. I did it for game week 30 with that sort of blank. And then I've done it for this sort of bench boost. So I feel like I've planned for it for so long. And all three of them have been like really anticlimactic. And it's actually the weeks around them that I've done so much better than these actual game weeks that I've spent months and months planning for. I am also on my bench boost, 46 points from 15 people starting. That's an average of three points per player. At least you did 54 with a minus eight. Like my team have averaged three points from a player. My bench is on 10, Foster, four, Pookie, Dennis, Gordon. I had a choice of transfers going into this week. I had three options, basically. Option one was to buy Diaz and Mares, which Diaz looks like he's out for the, well, he is out for the season we've heard. Mares didn't play, so I'm quite glad I didn't do that. I brought in Kudasevsky and Richarlison for Jao Pedro and Havertz, both of which didn't start. So things were looking great. However, it turns out the other option that I had when I wrote it down on paper was to bring in Foden and Nketiah, which would have been quite the transfer. It's about a 15, 20 point swing there, but I have had, I've had enough luck over the past couple of weeks to make it slightly less painful, but yeah, 46 points. The only returns I've got are Son, which is massively owned and Cancelo, with his nine and then Richarlison's five and then Foster's couple of save points as well, hoping for a bit more to go because I'm on a very small red arrow despite being on my bench boost this week. Yeah, no, no one wants the red arrow from the bench boost. So I, I feel your pain like so much, even though, yeah, you've, you've gotten there, uh, had some, a few good weeks. I, I still think, you know, getting 
the 50 50 like one side is absolutely a god tier move and the other side hasn't quite come to fruition yet just seeing yeah. what could have been what you could have won i could still feel why that that's that's really harrowing and really annoying like i feel at some extent we've like obviously taken a big hit and captain mm-hmm. cancello versus the outcome that we've got but no I, that's uh, that's very frustrating but as you said you know hopefully it's it will, it will ameliorate itself self-right itself as we come into yeah. the second half of the game week Righto, let's move on to the Middle League update at this kind of halfway point. Top still is Hakon Mangeshnez. He's managed to keep his spot at the top at 49 points for him this week. Um, he captained Salah. I think basically everyone kind of did. Oh, no, maybe a couple of De Bruyne's in there. But he captained Salah, 49 points for him. It didn't take a hit, though, which is quite good. He brought in De Bruyne actually this week. In second, Ryan Jers, Ryan Mackey, just 29 points for Ryan Oof, at the halfway point this week. Um, in third, it is uh, the brothers Grimsby, um, Chris Turner. Uh, I was actually on a stream with Chris um, just before the deadline. And I think when I was on that stream, and I was obviously talking to Chris about what I was going to do and yada, yada, yada. And I kind of was on FPL review and it kind of narrowly put bench boosting ahead. I think that that's kind of what swung me to make the decision when I was kind of live on air, as it were. So basically, I blame Chris Turner of uh, at Net That Hall for everything that happens this week. Uh, he himself took a minus eight. He's on 46 at the moment. And minus eight in, involved bringing in Nketiah, which is good, but also involved bringing in Mares for Mount. Um, so Mares didn't start the game uh, against Newcastle. Uh, 46 minus eight for him. He stays in third. In fourth, Artanista, Joaquin Lengroff, um, up to, for, to fourth from fifth. 46 points for him. De Bruyne captain for Joachim. Uh, that pushes Troy Hope, lucky profit, down to fifth from fourth. Uh, 47 minus four for Troy. In sixth, from eight, 51 points for Brett Taylor. I love Lamptey. Another De Bruyne captain there. In seventh, free hit played by James Coe. Uh, Salah captain for him, but only 38 points. Uh, he and Oizin Kerwan, the special one, go down. Uh, Oizin went down from uh, seventh to eighth, 35 minus four for him. In ninth, up from 13th, it's Brian Ndongmo, Machevan Antonio, 51 points for him. Uh, he brought in Pickford this week, which is quite an inspired transfer. In fact, there's quite a few players. There's four managers all locked in place in ninth. Uh, there's Brian, there's Steve Jones, it is what it is. Sheikh Mustafa Danish and Odds of the Smith and Arno Tillion, um, who are all locked together in ninth. Uh, scores from ranging from between 63 uh, for Mustafa and 35 for Steve Jones. So, yeah, quite a few players, a quite a congested kind of top 10, but obviously a lot to go in terms of this week. There's nowhere near over yet, as the Claxons once sung. Right, next up, Eddie and Kessia time in the transfer market, isn't it? It is indeed number one transferred in ahead of game week 37 is Inketia, 5.6 million. He is now 41,000 transfers in at time of recording on Monday evening. Newcastle away this week, followed by Everton at home. It's a great couple of fixtures. No double this week, but given his price and given the way he has returned since he's found his way into that Arsenal lineup, you can understand especially as an enabler if people are trying to free up money to go elsewhere, but also just as a sort of standout forward option that we seem to have at the moment there are a few of them in the top sort of 10 we've got Watkins and we've got Richarlison coming in the sort of three forwards that people are really trying to pick at the moment elsewhere in the sort of top five we've got Zaha 
with a double coming up, coming in second. Son, people still trying to get on him with Burnley and Norwich in the final two. Watkins, as we mentioned, with a good double in game week 27. And then Luis Diaz, 8 million still, seems to be finding whenever he gets the ball or wherever he gets a start in that Liverpool team, he's finding the back of the net. Really good form from him. I'm still concerned about his minutes, but in Ketia, Zaha, Son, Watkins, particularly the top four, are very understandable why people are going and buying them, I think. Yeah, lots of exciting transfers, aren't they? Uh, those guys. You're not seeing kind of boring defenders and goalkeepers being brought in. No, it's the attacking players, the players who can get you as explosive returns and being sold. The likes of Mason Mount uh, for Zaha and uh, Son, I suppose, to some extent. Uh, Jota and Ramsey in the midfield slots. And up front, Emmanuel Dennis, probably people kind of done with him. They've seen enough. And they've seen enough of Watford. Believe me, I think we've all seen enough of Watford. Apologies, Watford fans. But I think you probably agree with us, to be fair. You don't seem like a terrible bunch, unlike some other fan bases I know. And uh, Ronaldo uh, being sold too. But I mean, there's not that many transfers that have been made thus far. This kind of makes sense, reflecting that we are still halfway through double game week 36. But... But we're here to kind of talk about game week 37. So I think we should probably move on to that while we're here. And I think we should get there um, through a good question from Amrabat Man FPL, Joe. Because there are kind of, I guess, two main... I mean, I, I did say I was going to be looking at bench boosting this week, but I suppose there's kind of two main sort of... Uh, channels that people are going down this week one is free hitters and the other is non-free hitters and i'm a non-free hitter and harry you are free hitting of course and uh joe amra batman fpl asks you know which premiums uh, would you prioritize in a free hit this week and i think probably it's worth just kind of having this discussion as kind of the way into talking about this double game week in particular because it is a bit of a dodgy one to some extent i mean everton ex-motivation potentially brentford and crystal palace they're double both at home which could be quite alluring in contrast Burnley the relegation sort of rivals dead and buried maybe Spurs and Aston Villa their away games and two teams who are kind of you know have nothing really to play for also double at Villa they're back to winning ways after beating Burnley this week Crystal Palace and Burnley Burnley again and um, both Villa Park and Crystal Palace um Paddy V's revolution continues Aston Villa Everton away um Let's think about kind of doubles versus singles, though, and how it all sort of works out. Because those are the single game week players, like Salah, like Kane. Uh, Salah's got Southampton, or Liverpool got Southampton, I should say. Um, Spurs have got Burnley, and Manchester got West Ham. Do have they? they they've got fairly decent fixtures, Harry. So I mean, I mean, you're on free hit. I think it's probably just worth sharing where you are at the moment and kind of what your thoughts are ahead of this uh, double game week um, in terms of, I guess maybe let's look at singlers versus doublers first. Yeah, so it's one of those ones, again, we seem to have it that we have a great couple of fixtures for single game week teams with players that we trust. And then we have double game week unproven assets who we maybe don't want to go and buy. We've seen it countless times this season. Sometimes it's worked, sometimes more often than not, it hasn't worked going for the doublers. And I look at my team for this week and think, I cannot believe that I am playing a free hit when my team is lining up as it does this week. <laughs> you know, I've got triple Liverpool, including double defence away to Southampton. I've got James, I've got Alonso, you know, I've got double Tottenham midfield at home to Burnley. I've got Saka against Newcastle. Then I have Richarlison and Gordon in their double game week. And I think if I didn't have a free hit, I would absolutely be fine with playing my team and as I have it. Oh. However, because I've got my free hit and because my team looks absolutely fine going into the final day of the season, I think I'm going to 
play it this week. I'm not 100%. I'm about 95% sure that I'm going to play it this week. There is a small chance that I just look at that team that I've got at the moment and think bringing in Cornet and Madison is not worth it yeah. for Kulisetsky. And- I, I, I was going to say, like, surely a big part of you, judging by how that team sounds, and like, for context, my, my team's really similar. You know, double Liverpool defence against Southampton, um, you know, the, the Spurs guys against Burnley, the, the, the City double defence against West Ham away, although that game's probably got a bit more, a bit more meaning now. When you look at that, look at all the singles who have got decent players, decent uh, matchups, and you must be thinking, oh, I could just go into game week 38 and do stuff like, I don't know, buying Mane instead of Salah and you know, just doing all these little things to move things around and have a really sort of differential team in 38. If your team is that good this week and the players you're dropping as well, like if you speak us talk us through this free hit team uh, that you that you've sent me, like you know, there's a loads of sort of gaps and loads of players who have been missed out here in favor of those who do happen to just have two games. Yeah, so the free hit draft that we've got here for listeners is Pickford in goal with Mikalenko in defense with Cash and Dean. So double Everton and double Villa defense. We've got Salah, Son, Zaha, Corne, Madison, Richarlison and Watkins. Of course, Madison completely dependent of whether he's going to be available <laughs> for that yeah. double. Now, whether he's available for the double or not is worth talking about. I'm not sure that I really will end up with him, given the double is difficult, including Chelsea away. And then, you know, is he going to start both, even if he is coming back back into the side? I've then got Corne in there. I've then got Zaha in there in my midfield as well, instead of, you know, replacing the likes of Kulisevsky. I think the big one for me of why it's active is, is Aston Villa and how good their double is, is the key area that I'm missing when I look at my team. And I have no real way of getting them in apart from, you know, if I start taking a minus four, for example, minus four is possible that I take this week. Although the only issue with that is I would have made completely different transfers last week if I was not planning on free hitting this week I is really difficult and I feel like I'm just going round in circles talking about this free hit team but it's only got two single game week players in here in in Salah and Son you're grimacing at the look of it with sort of Corne Madison in there as well as double Everton and double Pallet a uh, double Aston Villa defense but I think Cash and Dean are really good options this week as you know is Pickford as is Zaha as is Watkins and it's the only way that I can get all of these players and I could maybe buy two of them for a minus four, but without that, I'm so far away. And given that 70% of the top 10 K or 65% of the top 10 K still have their free hit left to play. The majority of them will be building a team that looks maybe not quite as extreme to a double game week like this, but a lot of people will be going, will be going with a team like that looks like this. Do you think I'm completely crazy playing my free hit this week? No, um, I think when you, when you hedge it in those terms and if you plan for it and this has been your plan, then it makes a lot of sense. I, I just kind of, <clears throat> you, you look at it and you think, all right, a Liverpool clean sheet, you're going to be quite exposed to that to some extent, aren't you? Like going going to a game without Trent. But then you've got the extra fixture for those other players and that kind of negates that. The majority of this basically is the apex of double game weeks for teams that we don't really like that much versus single game weeks for teams that we do really like and want those sort of individuals in. I think as we said a few times, like, you know, you've only got a certain amount of chances left to bite at that cherry. So it makes a lot of sense to do these things. But my main sort of sources of 
uh, grimacing here are Maxwell Corney and James Madison. I think those are the two that I look at and just think, oh, I mean, surely you can do better. Like, you maybe get like, I've either with those two, I'd be looking at maybe just getting a Liverpool defender in for one of them and then potentially looking elsewhere for the other player as well, you know, uh, finding a different, <laughs> different individual. Cause I just, I just think Leicester is shot and I just don't really think I, I just I just feel like you know they come uh, Burnley have come off the wall really now under Mike Jackson's leadership and now it's just a, a time for them to look at the man in the mirror and think am I really going to stay up here I, I'm not sure they are um I, I just I don't think they're at that that period I can understand where you got Corney but yeah um but the rest of the team absolutely fine absolutely fine you know I, I, I can't yeah. argue against Villa I can't argue against um having Richarlison as your captain I can't argue against Wilfred Zaha or I'm looking at I can't argue against keeping Salah and Son and given your, where you are and the considerations you're making, you know, I, obviously you can say my base team is good, but this team has more fixtures and that makes sense. Yeah. And actually, if I look at the whole season and if I knew the season was going to be, you know, if we got game week one and, you know, we planned out where these were the doubles, these were the blanks and they were going to look like this. I don't think this is a good week in the grand scheme of things to have used my second free hit. I think, Previous game weeks, you know, if I had a free hit in game week 30, for example, and not, you know, had to plan for it, I would have probably been better off for it. And, you know, I don't think it's there's that much upside. I think there's a lot of risk for it. Corne and Madison were the last two names on there and are definitely two names that could make way. I did have before, I think, Robertson in for Mikalenko and then Gordon mm. in for Corne, for example. Yeah. Something like that really does help with the risk a little bit, but then, but then there's a lot less changes to what my team looks like currently. Cause I've already got Robertson. I've already got Trent. I've already got Gordon in. So then maybe I'm thinking I'm changing it for the sake of changing it. But yeah, maybe to go back to Joe's question of which single game week is what I want to prioritize. I think Son, whether you're on a free hit or not, Son is absolutely got to be in there. Salah or another element of that Liverpool attack. Now, if you do want to take a bit of a gamble, not go Salah and go for the likes of Diaz or Jota, depending who doesn't start in the FA Cup, because of course the game week 37 deadline falls on Sunday after the FA Cup finals. We will know that Liverpool lineup. But I do think you want to invest in Liverpool for at least one asset because Southampton, we've spoken about on the beach for the past couple of weeks. And I think there, if there is one team who looks like they are on the beach. That is Southampton at the moment. They don't look like they want to score or keep a clean sheet for no love nor money. So I definitely think Son as a minimum from Spurs and Salah or another Liverpool attacker at a minimum. And then the other ones that we've got, I would have said Chelsea about two weeks ago if we were having this conversation, but given the way we're performing at the moment, I think you'd probably go for the doubler over a Chelsea asset. Mm. Whereas the way you've got Liverpool performing and Man City performing, there's the debate there. Man City is the other one. Away to West Ham, to me, is the hardest fixture they have left between now and the end of the season because West Ham have been knocked out of Europe. They'll have a full week of rest to go into that game. In theory, if they want to get into Europe next season, they'll have to win every game they have left this season, which includes picking up points against Manchester City. So, they're going to have to put out a big performance if they want to win away at West Ham. I think sure. they probably will. But I do think that's maybe a difficult fixture, but it's also the fixture that they'll have to bring out their best performances in. So you could go for the likes of Mares, Foden, De Bruyne, Jesus are all good picks in there as well. I wouldn't say that they're essential. I think you can probably get away with them, but then you can look at the defensive options as well. You know, if you go with no City defence like I've got, you do run a big risk of things going horribly wrong for you. However, if I had to predict, I would think West Ham would, get something in that game 
given that they have a full week's rest to go into it, oh. given that Manchester City have full backline of injuries, you know, they're going to start Ake at left centre-back, Zinchenko at left-back to go with it, or Fernandinho. Just think there's a chance that West Ham scoring that one. So on a free hit, I think that's one of the fights I'm going to pick, that having no Man City defence and hope that West Ham score there. But Son, Spurs attack and Salah or Liverpool attack is the two places that I think are still essential, even if you're on a free hit. Yeah, I mean, do remember City's SGC is still out, outrageous, really. Outrageously uh, low that is. So it's probably worth kind of mentioning. But yes, I can see what you mean. And I'm sure all Liverpool fans will be behind you there, Harry, um, in terms of hoping that um, West Ham do pull something off um, against Man City. Uh, Leicester, I mean, just to mention quickly, I don't think we spend much time on them, but um, they're second from Boston in terms of expected uh, goals per open play over the last six game weeks. I mean, they're not very far off Southampton, who are bottom, and Watford have got a better open play expected goals than Leicester over the last six game weeks. So I think probably just says it all really about them and what's going on with their season at the moment. Um, Everton, though, um, I'm a little bit more kind of obviously a bit warmer to them. Um, looks like the Tory Frank has pulled them out of the mess that he put them in. Um, but I mean, Richarlison this week doesn't like the standout captain, doesn't he, really? Um, with the two home games. And um, generally, I think that it looks like they're going to have enough about them to pull themselves out of danger. But two home games, improving expected goals from open play. Um, it's, it's it's looking a little bit better at the moment um, in mid-table, whereas kind of throughout the course of the season, they've been kind of frequenting the bottom four. Um, it's not quite a Lampard revolution, but I think it's good enough at the moment to kind of be thinking at least for Charleston, if, if you're not free-hitting, um, could be probably the one that you'd be thinking of bringing in. I think his effective ownership, if you do care about such things, is going to be through the, wind, uh, through the roof, isn't it? Yeah, I, I do like Richarlison. They've been better at home, particularly as well. So I think those two fixtures, though Palace and Brentford have both been picking up quite a lot of points recently and looking pretty good. I would expect Everton to to go into those games and get get some results. They do look safe-ish now, particularly with that win against Leicester. You'd be surprised if they don't pick up any points against Watford, Brentford or Crystal Palace. And I think one win now would put them far enough away from particularly Leeds, I don't see picking up enough points to catch Everton between now and the end of the season. I do think no. Leeds, on a side note, are are in a bit of bother given they played Brighton and Brentford in their last two two teams who have seemed to have found a little bit of little bit of end of season form. But yeah, I really like Everton in goal. Pickford, I think, is the number one option to go with on a free hit. Um, two nice home fixtures. You could go Martinez, but the defensive options at Villa are better than the defensive options at Everton, which means I think Pickford save points. You, I think he got two save points, made six saves at the weekend um, would be the one that I would go with. In defence, Mikalenko, if he's fit, I wouldn't expect him to score goals like that every week, but I do think he's probably the one that I would go with. Maybe Coleman in there, but I'm not sure Coleman, again, with the amount of minutes that they are going to have to play between now and the end of the season would cause me a little bit of worry. Holgate seems to be starting if you need a cheap option sort of 4.2, especially with Mina's injury. Looks like he'll be starting for the foreseeable future. The midfield up front is pretty much Richarlison or Bust because it doesn't look like Calvert-Lewin's going to get on the pitch for a consistent amount of minutes anytime soon. Midfield is probably Gordon, although he's not looked as good recently, I think, as he did previously. But the Damari Gray is more expensive and there's no real reason to go with him over Gordon, for example, unless you want a real differential. So I like Everton. I think you can invest in them pretty much all over the pitch. It is a good double. 
they are playing two teams who are playing quite well at the moment, but I would still back Everton to get something, get something in there. One on my free hit that you slated a little bit is Corne and, and Burnley are an interesting one. The, the fight for that last relegation spot between Leeds and Burnley, I feel like will go down to the last day of the season when Leeds are away at Brentford and Burnley have Newcastle at home. But I do think it's possible that Burnley do need or can get something out of these two away games in 37 with injuries that they've got now in the back line with like me and Tarkovsky looking injured as well for this. They're going to have to find some goals from somewhere because they're not going to win these games by shutting out the opposition. And with, again, Vegkos not looking at it, with Rodriguez flagged, with the other amount of flags they've got, you know, Vidra as well, playing with injury for the past couple of games, a lot of that goal responsibility will fall to corner, which is why he's the one that I went with. I wouldn't go with any of the others, but he is the one out of all of them that knows where the back of the net is. It is a very big punt, and it's only a punt that I would ever take with two game weeks left on a free hit in game week 37. I don't love it that much, but I just think that they're going to have to find some goals from somewhere if they want to pick up anything between now and yeah. the season. Okay. And I feel like it's going to have to come from him. Or Dwight Manil, who knows? <laughs> it's <laughs> true. It'll come from someone completely it's random. Been reinvigorated uh, under Mike Jackson and, yeah. and who wouldn't want to be uh, risen from the dead. Um, elsewhere, um, I mean, there's a few teams there that maybe we're not going to mention too much about. Um, Villa bats their winning ways. And I, I'm looking, for example, at bringing in maybe... because I've, I've, spoilers I'm looking at get rid of Ramsdale he's annoyed me too much recently so I might even do my seventh goalkeeper chance of the season and bring in M. Martinez just because the um the, I think that the defensive um effective ownership of the villa is going to skyrocket this game week and you know my bet noir Luca Dean back from the dead and also you know the sort of player recently that the numbers he's been putting down I was looking at in prep for the pod like <clears throat> he's gotten to kind of the levels wherein if he does get any sort of return, if they do keep a clean sheet, he's writing it for the bonus because his baseline bonus is so high at the moment and how narrow Villa seems to be playing. Maybe that was just a tactic against Burnley, but how narrow they were playing seems to focus a lot of the attention on both those fullbacks. So um, I completely understand that. Um, I know you've got Watson, uh, Watkins, who uh, we're not going to spend so much time talking about the talent in this one, but I mean, Coutinho, a notable admission, uh, emission here um, and uh, Rohan at what's in the handle asked about Coutinho because he's got Coutinho Harry and he's looking to move him to Zaha so move one double game weaker to another I mean Coutinho's admit uh, a mission obviously you've got the double defense and Watkins so it kind of makes sense but if you've got Coutinho or you're eyeing up Coutinho like what would your thoughts be on uh, on live on on that man yeah, it's a difficult one. He's looked okay when he first came in. He looked pretty good and then he faded out a little bit. And I think a lot of Villa fans have wanted Wendier in particular to get a bit of a start in the team. And he took it with you know both hands in the first part of game week 36 with a goal and an assist. He looked really good. I, oh. it, it feels a very sideways move to go from one double game week player to another. If you don't have anything else to do with your team, then fine. Because I don't think that we're going to get two starts from Coutinho in the double. I am guessing here, but given the way that they performed this week, I can't see Buendia, you know, missing out completely over the next, over the double. Ings has looked good. Watkins has looked good as well. It, it does find it, I do find it difficult to think that he's going to get two starts in that double game week. It does feel very sideways though, because even in one of those games, we know in theory what he's capable of doing. But if the rest of your team's nice and and that's the one player you want in Zaha and the only player you're willing to sell is Coutinho. I don't have a problem with that at all because I would, 
you know, my free hit team, I've got Zaha in here. He's got the vice captaincy at the moment. And this Coutinho is nowhere near getting into my free hit team. I'd rather have Corne or Madison in there mm. over having wow. Coutinho. So I know that is quite a statement. All but yeah. to that extent. Well, okay. Yeah. But I, I just don't, I don't think that the sort of starts are going to be there for him over the double. I don't think you can rely on it enough. Mm. It's a very luxury transfer. I think most people who've got Coutinho will play him, hope he gets a sub appearance in one and starts the other, which is fine. I think he's capable of doing something with that amount of minutes anyway. But if your team is great or you're on a free hit, then I wouldn't particularly be happy with Coutinho going into this game week. Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Did you know, Harry, that I, I, I was surprised by this when I looked it up. Um, Zaha's 13 goals this year is his highest total ever in terms of goal scoring uh, since he's been uh, on, on, on FPL. Um, and he's actually only 14 points off this being his best season ever in FPL, 135 points at the moment. Yeah, one of those that has just completely gone under the radar um, mm. throughout the course of the season. But no, I completely understand what you're saying. And it was really interesting about Palace is, well, a lot of things interesting about Palace. And obviously, you know, you can argue motivation's not there, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I know they both, both their games coming up are away. But the non-pen XG for last six home and last six away games has been pretty much the same. 5.8 on both sides. So it just suggests that they'll be okay, I think, for these games. Um, I just wonder, like, for example, you've got Zaha in your free hit team, right? And you've also got double, double defense and, defense and, and yeah. double Villa defence. And Zaha plays Villa and Everton. I mean, that's kind of what makes me wonder about including a double Villa and double Everton defence. Yeah. And the people are doing that, like, Surely you got you got to back one side or the other. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think with Cash and Dean, there's enough attacking output there to go with them and then, you know, hope they get something against Burnley and then the attacking output that they're capable of getting. I think double Everton defence is great while I'm looking at it now, but it's close to the deadline. I think that's likely to fade and Gordon will come in. I do like Pickford for his saves in particular and the bonus points that he's capable of. But this is the issue with, free hits this week and I get a lot of comments on YouTube or on streams they say but Harry look at your team you've got so many of your players playing against each other a lot of your attackers playing against the defenders that you've got in here I had one free hit which had you know a Palace defender in there and I've but in my starting lineup I've got Richarlison and Watkins so I've got one less fire against each other than I had before but with the amount of teams that we are looking to target in the double in Villa in Everton, because they play against, you know, Crystal Palace and Burnley and two teams that we're also looking to target. It's another thing that is slightly putting me off the free hit because I'm like, well, what's the maximum that, you know, Zaha is going to get, or if he gets a goal in both games, well then what's the maximum that my defense is going to get. So Mm. it does another thing that just makes me worry and worry about whether this free hit, is a good idea or not, or whether I should revert back to how it looked before with, you know, Cancelo in there, with Trent in there, with Robertson, James, Alonso, these guys who are very capable of scoring as much and maybe just add, you know, add one or two. So I could add, you know, Cash in there and Watkins in there for a minus four and be done with it and play my free yeah. hit in the final week of the season. Well, maybe, maybe, not Alon- maybe not Alonso, by the sounds of it, but well, <laughs> maybe everyone else. Yes, yes. No, I completely understand that. I mean, your, your team... That you sent me is absolutely like the the the, the base one is it's pretty stacked, but I appreciate how you're kind of saying, yeah, well, I've only got Richarlison and Schmeichel as a double game week, so I might as well go for it. Maybe worth looking at a 38 double team and thinking, 
yeah, okay. Sorry, it's first year free hit team and thinking, well, how would that look and where would I go? Maybe that's not so you can only give yourself next week. But I mean, I wouldn't doubt yourself too much about your, uh, about your strategy because the, the team that you've got could massively pay off. And as you said, betting against the likes of the Chelsea defence, betting against the likes of the City defence makes a lot of sense uh, to me. Um, so I, 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 you know, even though you're going to have sort of occasional sort of hedging on both sides equally, I, I don't think that, that worries me too much. It's just something like, you know, with Madison, maybe I'd, I'd bin him off for Robertson. So at least if there's a, a Liverpool clean sheet, you've, you're not massively exposed to it. You've got a little bit of a, a stake in that because, as you said, Southampton is so on the beach that yeah, they're, they're buried in the sand, aren't they? You've got a sandcastle on their faces right now. <laughs> um, anything else to say about this double coming up? Because I'm, I'm not sure there is, is there? No, I think the only thing to add is potentially who these teams play on the final day of the season and that impacts potentially who you want to go and buy with them because, you know, Villa have got City away on the final day. So this is particularly important for people who are not playing their free hit. So Villa away to City. So if you go heavy in on your Villa assets, then you've got a very difficult fixture to field them in. Palace have got Manchester United at home. So actually, I quite like Zaha for that. I think given that Manchester United just conceded four to Brighton, I think Zaha yep, is yep. probably for non-free hitters. The one that I would as well. like. Exactly. Zaha is probably the one that I'd like to buy the most because actually the three games, 37 and 38, is probably where I'd expect to get most of the points. And then Everton away at Arsenal on the final day, a team who will be, you know, trying to push for Champions League places is a, again, a difficult one. So particularly Everton and Villa, I would just be conscious if you're not free hitting quite how heavily you go investing in them and look at what your team will look like for the final day. Because if it means that you're having to field, you know, double Aston Villa because you've bought so heavily into, into the doubles in 37, then is it as worth it? You need to look at it as a sort of combination of the two if you're not playing on free hit because of some of those, those games on the final day of the season. Cool. Right, we'll come back to kind of how we're setting up and kind of just to round this point off in mm-hmm. just a minute. Um, but I think just we had a few questions in about it this week. So I think it's probably just worth addressing a little bit about next year, just because obviously it's quite pertinent. Hopefully by the time you guys listen to this, it won't be the fact that um, Mr. Erling Haaland has decided to, to, to join Real Madrid. It looks like from all sources out there, he's going to be joining Man City. Um, so it might be worth talking about kind of next year and how that looks a tiny bit here. I think we'll probably come back to it in the final pod that you're on, Harry, uh, just to talk about that a bit more. Uh, Abed um, asked, you know, when do the prices get revealed for next season? Which I think is probably, uh, <laughs> probably one, of the, one of the key points uh, for some people. Um, but it tends to be like on the week, week before it launches. They do a drip feed around then, as I'm sure most of you listening will know. Um, but probably the best question we got this this week, um, admittedly slightly tongue-in-cheek, was from Adam at 352. How are we going to fit in Haddon, Son, Kane, Salah and Nketiah into our teams next season? Um, but I think, you know, Haddon is the biggie, isn't he really? I mean, he'll be one of those paradigm shifts. I saw, you know, Andrew Ferguson saying, you know, he's a fancy game changer, uh, things like that on Twitter and quite a lot of excitement about that today, which is completely understandable given kind of his profile, a bit of a monster, 0.92 SGI per 90 uh, this season, second behind Lewandowski, 1.04 admittedly has missed a few games and uh, last season 0.97 again behind Lewandowski 1.04 again what consistent monster but obviously young uh, young and uh, better ammo I guess than the Dortmund team 20 starts this season um, 
But yeah, I mean, it's one of those, isn't it, Harry, which could really shape the foundations of FPL. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing him in England. Um, perhaps you're probably not as excited about seeing him play for Man City. Um, but what are your views um, on this? I mean, obviously, we're a long way out. It may not happen, uh, but, you know, it's, it's worth speculating about, isn't it, for a bit? Yeah, it is. And I think City become even more of that dominant team that they are now the one thing they've missed they've done very well with trying to find sort of ways to sort of plug that gap that they have up front but they don't have one player in their team really maybe Mares, who has that real killer instinct in front of goal to win them games at the death that I think Haaland will be able to bring people are predicting that you know De Bruyne Haaland become the sort of new Kane Son or the new Ryan Fraser, Callum Wilson, that I think is a more better way of comparing <laughs> them. But I do think it improves some of the assets that they've got around them, particularly De Bruyne. However, yeah. you know, Foden particularly being very appealing because he's playing that false nine role. If he's not playing that, he might get a price rise based off his points that he scored this season. But if he's not playing that central mm. role, is it as beneficial for him? Does it squeeze the amount of those wingers that they've now got? Because they've got one less spot to play them through. So there's no Jesus through the middle anymore. So he would have to rotate with Mares on the right-hand side, for example, Foden and Grealish both on the left-hand side. I do think it may narrow down and even increase Pep Roulette to some extent. Um, Pep often takes his time to embed players in, but I'm not so sure I see that being the case with Haaland. I think it would be great for De Bruyne. I think it would be great for Haaland as options, but I do think it will mean the pool of Manchester City attackers that we're able to pick from is less and less some of them go leaving in the summer. I mean, I'm I'm with you on De Bruyne, actually. Um, I just think about the amount of assists that he could possibly get. I mean, he's been feeding loads of players their dinner and they've not been able to finish it for quite a while. Um, as you've kind of mentioned, and the bonus as well for De Bruyne, like obviously even now, if he gets one assist, he's kind of well on his way um, in the BPS um, to, to to get in there. Um, and this season, actually, he's actually level with Trent for bonus points per ninety among players who have scored one who have played one thousand five hundred minutes or more. Um, I do think that De Bruyne's price um, was a bit mad this year. Remember, he got the twelve million off last year, only getting one hundred and fifty. I think they've been good. I got that. I think got one hundred and forty points. Mm. So he got a price rise out of nothing really. Uh, this year um, annoyingly I think that probably means that he's going to stay prohibitively priced we're not going to see kind of 9.5 million De Bruyne uh, like we saw back in 2019-20 um, but I think you're right like the ensemble around him is going to be really interesting um, around them I say um, Haaland and De Bruyne and maybe we'll see you know, Jack Grealish get his feet on the table a bit better they always said that you know, Mahrez was bad the first season and um, some commentators say that Grealish is probably never going to make it there but who knows I see Foden as well make his way into the centre midfield berth. We all kind of thought that he would eventually be kind of uh, playing the David Silver role. Um, and I think that, that, I think it'll be really interesting uh, with Hallam joining. Um, you know, oddly, Harry, though, the thing that kind of got what, what this got me thinking about more and more wasn't really Man City. It was actually United. And I was thinking about kind of how next year's going to look. You know, we're always on the lookout for value, aren't we? And always on the lookout for weird sort of situations. I remember, you know, when, when Spurs weren't in the Champions League and weren't in, in, in Europe and they were really nicely priced. Remember the year when Hazard was a really nice price for Chelsea. But United, I'm really fascinated to see what they'll do there. Because obviously this season is descending into a train wreck um, squared. 
And there's no way Bruno can be 12. There's no way Ronaldo can 12.5. You know, Sancho this year was 9.0. He's not he's not even broken the 100 mark yet. Defence has been a bit of a joke. 5.5 um, you know, for Maguire and so on and so forth. But there's been huge, huge bargains to be had there, surely, over the course of the next year, especially with a new manager, if he does manage to not screw it up at the biggest club. Yeah, Manchester United, particularly... Fernandes and Ronaldo are interesting ones. And then if Rashford stays as well, Rashford and Sancho, what happens with those? Ronaldo, although he's not at the same level as some of the others, but he's still the third highest goal scorer in the league with 18 goals. And, you know, he missed the first five game weeks of the season. If he played those, he could be up there playing, you know, competing for the golden boot with the likes of Salah and Son. So I think he'll be 11, 11.5 at a sort of minimum 11, 11.5, probably maybe even 12, because, you know, the hype around a player does have a little bit of an impact on their price. Fernandez will probably be similar, maybe 0.5 less, maybe 11. The two that then really come into the conversation when you talk about that around that price are, for me is Son. And yeah. then the other one is, is Mane that goes with him. Son and Kane have constantly been priced. Son is cheaper and Kane is more expensive. I would absolutely love them next year to make them exactly the same price. I think they score points at the same level. I don't see Son needing to be more expensive because I think there's a lot of you know point scoring that Son has done that maybe is not that sustainable or that he's one of the best finishers in Europe and he's even outperforming that at the moment. But Son versus Kane, I would love to see them both priced at, you know, 12 million on the nose, for example. And then Sadio Mane, I know his point scoring is there for the past few weeks, but I hope that they price the gap between him and Salah enough to make that that a debate for the first time. I think, oh, we'll 100%, 100%. Especially, especially what could be really interesting. Um, let's take those two points separately. One, um, I would wonder... If and I know that there's obviously discussions about how you know they actually play in terms of you know, their position on the pitch, but in terms of a pure game sense, I wonder if Son is one of those who ends up being pushed into the striker slot. I really do. I wouldn't be surprised if if they do that. They've got to do something to sort of begin to um, make a difference in that slot. And if they're both 12 million, both strikers, I think that could be fascinating with Kane and Son there. And the same with Mane as well. Obviously, I don't think it will happen with Mane, but he has been playing centrally a lot recently. I don't know if that's going to stick, to be honest. I've got no idea whether it will. Um, But I I kind of wonder whether he um, could be a candidate again to push forward. Um, But you're right as well. This season... The pricing of Mane and Salah made Mane completely irrelevant for the whole season, effectively, apart from, you know, your free hits or your one-week pumps. That was the only time you were ever going to be considering Mane because of how damn good Salah is. And I think that, again, is going to be really, really interesting. The other half of it, going completely to the opposite end of the pitch, is, is what happens with these premium defenders that we've got. We constantly start the season thinking yeah, okay, we'll go three at the back. And by the end of it, we think, well, there's so much value here. We can still squeeze them all in. You know, Cancelo starting the season at 6 million now looks absolutely like crazy pricing. James, you know, starting at the same, the prices that they've seen, you know, Robertson. Next season, those City defenders, you know, I think Diaz and Laporte will both be six and a half at a a minimum, despite being centre-backs. We'll see Cancelo go up to seven and a half, probably James, well, Alonso unlikely to be at Chelsea next season by the looks of things. But James will be up at, you know, seven and a half million along with the like, or maybe seven. 
slightly cheaper, but you know, Robertson, Trent will all be there as well. That we found value in defense in these premium teams this season, last season as well. I worry that they're just going to continue to be squeezed and squeezed next season, that we're going to have to look for some of these cheaper ones. It'll be interesting to see what they do with the likes of the Spurs defence, with those wing backs, how far up they go, how far up do the potential Arsenal defence go, you know, how what price is Tierney next season, what price is Tommy Asu? Are we going to be completely, you know, priced out of, are they going to go five and a half for some of these guys? And then it is much more difficult, especially with the lack of attacking threat that they've got. But defence, I think, is interesting because we've had such a such a heavy defence this season that they are all going to have a, a reasonable price. I was going to say a massive price increase. There's mm. a limit to how far some of them can go, but a reasonable price increase on what they were this season, which I think has the ability to really change the way we play the game next year compared to how we've played it, particularly in the second half of this season with our team structures. Potentially, I mean, we, we've we, we've seen this discussion crop up a few times in the past. Um, will defenders be stupid high? I don't think so. Like, I, I'm I would be very 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 surprised. I mean, obviously, we don't know what the chips are going to be and what they're going to do, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I'd be very surprised though if they started to kind of start pricing defenders at eight point five nine something like that and going mental. I think it will probably be seven point five again, which will be the apex. Would not be shocked to see Cancelo and Trent being the same price, for example. Would not be surprised to see Robertson being just below Trent or something like that. Um, obviously, Robertson's out outperformed Trent over the back the back stretch of this season. Um, James, I, I don't know again whether he's done enough to merit a massive price. Really, a six point five maybe would be for him, just because of the just because of the fitness, uh, frankly. Um, but I, I think it'll be it's definitely interesting to see how it's all going to show up. And you know, you've got the players that leave sort of consideration. You know, if you know, Gabriel, if Tommy Asu is sat at five point five, then maybe you'll look at you know next season. I know it sounds a bit crazy, but like sort of you know, um, you know, Luke Shaw maybe if he's at five million, then United have got nothing to focus on except the league. Could be really interesting if he's reinvigorated under uh, under ETH. I mean, it you always find ways to fill the gap. And one that I was thinking about was Leicester. Actually, um, well, no no European competition. It would all be about the league for them. And you've got interesting characters there, like you know James Justin in defence, for example, and Madison and Barnes that we spoke about as well in midfield. But there's always going to be people who fill the gaps. And I think you know. As with every year, um, it's going to be very interesting to see how it all sort of slots together and how it all works out once we see the prices. And the key, I think, more than anything, and people are kind of penciling in having Hallen, Salah try to shove in Son or something like that. But the key is always going to be, and I think next year, acutely so, trying to figure out what B-team player, as it were, best backs up the talisman premium, if that makes sense. So... Is a Luis Diaz going to be worth owning over Salah to enable you to have Haaland and Kane? I mean, that's the sort of, um, hopefully, the sort of decision we're going to have to make when it comes to the pricing. Um, and I think that that's going to be really, really fascinating, to be honest. Um, I'll tell you what I'd love most, though, is if players become viable, um, more players become viable than we've seen. Um, so there's so many players that aren't, of interest or never of interest we're all fishing in the same ponds i think it'd be really cool to have different options out there there's one thing i do know harry i'm not going to buy mitrovic i've been there done that bought the t-shirt 
been there, done that, bought the T-shirt again. I don't believe you. <laughs> I, I don't believe you. Just like everyone else in the community saying they've been there and they've bought the T-shirt. I'm going to buy Dom Solanke. I'm all about Solanke. <laughs> My front, again, we'll have no forwards to pick, so we'll have a front line of Mitrovic, Solanke and a... Uh, 8 million in Ketia if he gets priced ridiculously high or whatever in <laughs> Ketia goes up to next season, Just leading the line for Arsenal and they don't sign anyone else. But yeah, you know, Mitrovic, however many goals he's scored now, 45, 49 goals in the championship, that Fulham team are capable of doing things like Wolves did in the Premier League. That is the best championship team that they have seen, that that league has seen in a while. That might be a bold statement, but they've scored 110 goals or something now. Crazy amount of goals in the championship. I just think, I think they might do something with Mitrovic to even try and include that as well. I think he'll be slightly more, maybe 7 million, one of the most expensive newly promoted strikers that we've seen in the game as a result. It's a slightly new system compared to how we've seen Fulham in the past. Yeah. And I think I think he could still come back with a vengeance to try and prove us all wrong. I know how much he takes into account the nasty tweets that those FPL managers put up about him when he, <laughs> when he does blank. But I, 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 like, I like him as an option. Dom Slanky is another one. I think there'll be some of those newly promoted teams which will have some of those budget ones. You spoke about, you know, the Diaz compared to the Salah, but it's just as much who's that 5.5 million midfielder going to be that's going to help us squeeze in and around the rest of the team. Who's that 4.5 million defender going to be that we're going to be able to do. And actually the biggest question that I want to answer is who's the 4.5 million goalkeeper that we're all going to end up with, like we did with Sanchez, like we did with Ramsdale, like we did with Pope, like we did with Martinez. There will be one that we all end up with come game week one. And I just interested to find out who it's going to be, whether it's a newly promoted one, whether Gaeta stays at that price, whether <laughs> Butland's first, first choice at Palace, that Palace defence looked pretty good for the second half of the season. So yes. yeah, it's those cheap options that I enjoy looking at just as much as the, the premium ones to go with it. Well, I'll say Phil Billing, right? He's now playing a progressive number eight role under Scott Parker, eight goals and 10 assists this year in the, uh, in the championship. 4.5 million. Hey, who knows? That's my guess anyway. Uh, anyway, uh, I suppose we'll come back to this a little bit more detail at some point in the future with or without Harry. Who knows? Uh, hopefully we'll do it again. I think it's worth just cur- curtailing it there, to be honest, because we don't know. We've got no idea what the hell we're talking about, um, but it's worth talking about anyway, just because of the fact that everybody is on about pricing with Haaland, who I believe will probably be you know, I think I think will be given the, uh, given the premium price tag, that's for sure. Right. Transfers and captains and Harry, I mean, you've, you've mentioned you're, you're on the free hit. Can you just describe what the key sort of conundrums are for you at the moment? I think you've obviously spoken about how your team's looking and everything like that. What are the key conundrums for you and where's the armband going to go? Is it locked on Richarlison? It's, it's, it's between Richarlison... Watkins and Zaha, I think, the three that I think that I'd go with. If like Ings doesn't start against Liverpool tomorrow night, then I think there's a good chance that Ings actually comes in for Watkins. Because if I had Ings starting both those games versus Watkins starting both of those games, I think it's just as easy that Ings gets as many points as Watkins. He's likely to be on penalties as well if he's on the pitch. So I don't think Ings' legs has the ability to play five games in three game weeks. But if he doesn't start Liverpool because they want the running of Watkins, for example, and they don't need Ings in that game, then I may well end up with Ings in there. And if Ings is going to start both of them, maybe becomes a stronger captaincy than Oli, I can't hit a barn door, Watkins. 
although he seems to be finding the back of the net a bit recently. I'm just a little bit concerned the more we talk about it, about whether this is the right week for me to hit free hit because Cornet and Madison over double Liverpool defence does just look crazy and crazier the more I look at it, even if I moved it on to Gordon and someone I'm getting too close to my starting team for a minus four that I could could potentially get to. It might come down to what I expect my team to look like for the final game week of the season. You know, if Alonso isn't going to come back into that Chelsea lineup, that's another flag I'm going to have for the final week of the season. I don't have a forward that I'm happy to play. I was going to use one free transfer there. So mm-hmm. I may wait for the Chelsea lineup on Thursday to see what Tuchel says, to see whether he's got any chance of coming back in. And I'll play around with free hits to try and see how much upside I can get. But I'll either be playing my free hit or probably a minus four to cover Villa defence and Villa attack as well. Oh, interesting. I mean, I'm... My my team's pretty stacked, and that's the thing. It's it's I've got a uh, Ramsdale in goal away at Newcastle. Newcastle we just got tonked five nil by City. Um, I've got all my defenses away. So Ramsdale away at Newcastle, double uh, City defense away at West Ham. Cancelo in the port there, and uh, Robertson and Trent. I mean, all four of those players start. Um, I think. Um, midfield I've got Gordon, who's a doubler. Salah and Saka both away. Um, Salah um, at Southampton and Saka away at Newcastle. And Kulosevsky at home to Burnley. That front, I've got Kane at home to Burnley. And I've got Richarlison with the armband firmly, I think, on him at the moment. Brentford and Crystal Palace. Um, and I'm, I'm considering a couple of things. I'm considering maybe removing Ramsdale because we've just we've been very bad at conceding shots on target recently. I don't know what's happened, but it, it just feels like it's not really working at the back um, thus far. During the Leeds game, I was saying on my Slack a lot, they, we're going to concede. But if, if there's a corner or a set piece, we'll concede it. And we did. And I, I think we've kind of hit that moment um, like Man City do at times. Not that our defence anywhere near comparable to Man City, but not we do at times. Or we just have a horrible tendency of conceding at one big chance. So I'm wondering whether I'd buy Martinez to cover that massive explosion in a bit of defence ownership for Ramsdale. Um, or I get in Pickford. He's been getting the saves recently, but yikes, that's Trevor Everton. I'm not sure about that. Um, so I could leave that and I could um, just do the plan, which was to do uh, Zaha for Saka. Now, we've not really mentioned Arsenal at all here um, throughout this entire pod, actually, um, because obviously we've still got loads to play for. A lot, So much of it is hinges on this week and you said a minute ago you know i'm going to wait until uh, blah 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 happens over the course of this week and obviously so much of it hinges on this week um but saka has big gas to me <laughs> and um i'm only going to be looking at being without him for the final two game weeks so i basically be gaining one extra game and if i bought in zaha um, plus the Man United game uh, on game week 38 is quite a good game uh, for Zaha, really. So that could be what I do. I think I'm going to try to avoid the hit if I can, unless I can find a way to um, feel better about removing the goalkeeper, perhaps. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think for me, the, the armband's on Richarlison. And you said you said Richarlison as well for you, right? Yeah, at the moment. Him or Ings, if Ings is going to start both. Oh, Dings would be huge, wouldn't it? Mm. I, I've still got I've still got massive PTSD about Danny Ings' goals. I, I didn't really own him for a lot of his periods of of when he was really in his purple patch. And I, I in my head, in my mind's eye, whenever he scores, I can just see um, one of our friends, Chris, on our Slack, just writing "Dings" in massive letters, and it was always like, 
a proper like face palm moment for me. But there you go. That could be a really nice caption. It's a really nice kind of example of the way you can just kind of flit and you can kind of just go with a slight zag uh, in situations like that. And you know, I like that, especially if it doesn't play. But for me, it's probably, probably going to be a Richarlison, but there's definitely an argument isn't there for a Salah a captaincy or a, or, or a Kane captaincy against Burnley as an explosive asset. Cool. I think that that is everything for the anti-penultimate time. I love saying that word this season. I had to look it up. I'm not going to lie. You put it in a <laughs> group chat and I was like, is, does that just mean penultimate? And I was like, hang on. No, it doesn't because we've got three left. Then I worked it out. But anyway, yes. First thoughts. Again, I'm more and more erring on the side of caution and not playing my free hit this week. The more you talk me out of it. Thank you all for listening. We were who got the assist. Yeah, thanks very much, everybody. We'll be back next week previewing game week 38, talking about how many goals have been scored on the last day and how risky we should be um, as we try for one last stab at glory. Uh, have a great rest of Double Game Week 37. Or indeed, if you listen to this later on in the week, have a great weekend. Have a great life if you've listened to this in two weeks' time. But anyway, in the meantime, I hope to assist you and speak to you very, very soon. Goodbye. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice and Molina makes it easy. So let's talk about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. Visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today.